0: Hi folks, it's Andy, the Analytical Preacher. What is Christianity's view of capitalism? Should Christians support and participate in? Should we be opposed to or work against capitalist economies? The question really comes down to, does the private ownership of capital, does the private ownership of property and of different businesses and licenses and things like that, Does the making of personal money, does the compounding of personal wealth, do those things push beyond what the teachings of Jesus, if we take them literally, what the teachings of Jesus would allow? Let's talk about some of the pros and cons here as we go, and we're really going to try to look at this from a biblical perspective and a biblical worldview. I think the first thing that people tell me when they're concerned about capitalism is they say, capitalism makes us greedy. Capitalism makes people selfish, and that seems a very unbiblical and very unChristian thing. Others say capitalism causes inequality. When we look in our country, we see there are individuals who make a lot of money and who hold a lot of wealth compared to other individuals who make far less money and have far less wealth. And some folks are really honest with me, and they just say, I don't care for capitalists. I don't care for business owners and their type. They just seem to be, again, bad, selfish, greedy, evil, whatever people. And it just seems like we shouldn't be in support of those types of individuals. Let's sort of hit those three topics one by one. One, the idea that capitalism makes us greedy or selfish is a very, very common phrase that I hear from politicians and from Christians and non-Christians alike. Here's the thing to understand. The Bible teaches us that it's not any economic system. It's not any political system. It's not any outside influence at all that makes people selfish or that make people greedy. But scripture teaches us in a number of different places that those sort of nasty human attributes, which are real, the Bible definitely won't argue there are selfishness and, and selfish people and greedy people. But scripture says those attributes come from within us, that our own hearts are really to blame for that. Let me just give you a couple of verses. I'll quote Jesus from Mark chapter 7, starting in verse 20, and then I'll quote Jesus' half brother James, starting in his first chapter. Uh, verses fourteen and fifteen. Mark seven twenty to twenty three, Jesus said this. And he said, What comes out of a person is what defiles him. For from within, out of the heart of man, come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, foolishness. All these evil things come from within and they defile a person. Again, James, his half-brother, writes, James chapter 1, verses 14 and fifty. But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Then desire, when it has conceived, gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. Capitalism, or any other political or economic system, causes us, creates greed and selfishness within us. So the real question is, if it exists in every human heart and we can be tempted by our own internal evil desires to bring our selfishness and greed to fruition, then which system is more likely to entice someone, all of us, with our natural inborn greed and selfishness? Which system is more likely then to tempt that to come out of us and to cause us to sin? And the answer here is actually pretty simple. And behavioral economists speak about these sorts of things a great deal. And the answer is that capitalism is actually, believe it or not, less likely to bring out the greed and the selfishness in people. Let me give you a quick example. Behavioral economists talk about things like zero-sum games. A simple example would be You and I get stranded on an island and the minute we swim to shore, we can immediately see, wow, there's fruit trees over here. There's some stuff growing over here. We walk along the beach and we see in the little pools of water that get caught when the tide go out, there are fish and there are crabs and there are shrimp and there are clams. And we think, wow, we're going to be here and the shelter may not be great and we may get rescued soon. We may get rescued in a long time, but at least we're going to eat well because we see an abundant amount of seafood and we see fruit growing everywhere. It's not to say, of course, that we wouldn't be selfish, that we wouldn't get greedy. And I would want the biggest crab leg and you would want the shiniest and freshest looking piece of fruit. But imagine a different scenario where we land on that island and as we swim to shore, we see no seafood. We see no trees. There's one cluster of bananas laying beneath a banana tree with no other fruit on it. And immediately both of us, the selfish and greediness within us would immediately well up. I can't afford not to selfishly covet and take that fruit because it may be all that there is for me to live on. And in that situation, our natural evil is much more likely to come out when there's a zero-sum game. No matter how much we work or how much we do, no matter how much the tide goes in and out, or the rains fall and the sun comes up, there's always just going to be that one batch of bananas for us to share in hopes that somebody rescues us before the last banana is gone. If I gain something, then you lose it because there's only so many bananas versus if I gain some shrimp or some crab, you don't necessarily lose. You can just walk down to the next little tidal pool that got caught up when the surf went out and you can grab your own crab and your own shrimp to eat for that night. So it we tend to be less greedy and selfish in societies where there is more as opposed to where there are less economic historians will tell us that absolutely without question capitalism is the system that has proven to provide more and to provide more faster the two most ready examples that you hear from economists are if you look at east germany versus west germany back in the day before the fall of the berlin wall east germany was a communist system with communal ownership of property business etc and west germany was a capitalist Modern capitalist economy and society, and we saw West Germany far outpace East Germany in terms of lack of poverty and in terms of income and things like that. Today we still see it. North Korea is a communist society where the government owns all means of production, etc. South Korea has slowly become over the years very much a democratic and capitalist society, and we see marked differences in the rate of production of goods and services and the income of the people and the lessening of poverty in south korea versus north korea so there's actually very little doubt that capitalism and, and even its opponents say this capitalism will provide you with faster growth it will provide you with a greater breadth of good and services again some people are afraid as that happens it makes us more greedy and more selfish but the actual fact is it does not. It tends to lessen some of our natural evil desires as opposed to enticing them or promoting them. I should pause and say, of course, money itself the Bible does not say is evil. And so you say, well, if capitalism is having people able to make more money, isn't that a bad thing? Because isn't money a bad thing? No, no, money's not a bad thing. There's a verse in that Paul wrote, and we call it the letter of First Timothy. And I think it sometimes gets misunderstood or misquoted. First Timothy chapter 6, verse 10 says this, for the love of money is a root of all kinds of evils. It is through this craving that some have wandered away from their faith and pierced themselves with many pains. Money is not evil. Money is not the root of evil, but the love of money is a root of all kinds of Evil. So, of course, as a Christian, we would say we need to be careful that we don't love our money more than we love God. We're told we can't serve God and serve money. We can serve God and have money. We can serve God and use money, but we can't serve God and serve money, the Bible would tell us. It's also important to say for the point number two, capitalism does not quote unquote cause inequality. And we know this because we've seen inequality in every society down through history and in every society across the spectrum today. Inequality essentially comes because of those evil desires that are in men's hearts. And one system is not necessarily better or worse at causing it or allowing it to exist than the other. But if anything, again, in today's societies, we see in some non-capitalist societies, in communist societies, in places like Cuba, the inequality is much more stark than it is in America. There is an incredibly small fraction of individuals there which dominate almost the entire wealth of the entire island. And then there are those who just live in abject poverty, who literally live in tin shacks with dirt Floors. While others live in palaces with marble floors, there is inequality in America, there is no doubt, and a lot of Christians have taken it on themselves to try to work to lessen the inequality in our country, to help those who are down to rise up. But the poverty level in America compared to the poverty level in places like Cuba or Haiti or North Korea It's just night and day. There's much less inequality, actually, in a capitalist system. Again, simply because there's just more to go around than there are in other types of systems. But this is why I think the rubber really hits the road for a lot of Christians. I know so many Christians, and they're just good, honest people. And they're they're just sort of turned off. By competition, and I got to be better than you, and I want to store up more stuff and have more toys than you. And it's really just the more the Holy Spirit works on their heart and the more they walk with Christ through life, they just become less aggressive and more loving. They become less covetous and they become more giving. And it's a beautiful, wonderful thing. And I think so. Then we see these Christians, they begin to say, Maybe I should be opposed to capitalism because it just seems like it has some bad qualities. And here's what I want to do. We have to warn ourselves, I don't want to be opposed to my enemies more than I want to be in favor of my friends. And that's a lesson that the Bible teaches us. I talked to a Christian person, said they had seen a program on TV called The Shark Tank. And they said they were really turned off, that there were these entrepreneurs, multimillionaires, billionaires who sit there and they compete to work with or buy these other people's businesses. And the people are trying to negotiate with the sharks to get absolutely as much money as they can. And the sharks are saying things like, where are you producing this? You don't want to produce that in that area because the wages are too high. Take it over to this area where we can pay the workers less and we can keep more profit for ourselves. And they said they were just utterly turned off by that show, by those entrepreneurs, and by the whole capitalist idea that that show presented. But I said this to them, imagine you've got a nephew or a niece and they're very, very sick and there's a person and you know this person and you don't like them because they're greedy and they're arrogant and they try to build up the most toys for themselves and they're always bragging about themselves you find out that that person is the one medical professional. Maybe she's the only doctor in a five-state area that can operate on your niece or nephew and bring them back to good health. Would you say, no, I'm going to try to talk my brother and sister out of allowing my niece or nephew to be operated because I just don't like that doctor and her sorry attitude. Can't stand a braggart. Or would you say, I want the best for my niece or nephew? If I get a chance to speak to that doctor, I might tell her one day, I really think you need to come to understand Christ. It's more blessed to give than to receive. But right now, I want what's best for my friends and my family. That's one way that you can look at that. There are an awful lot of people in the world, by the way, including Christians, they admire entrepreneurs, the folks that are on that shark tank, Barbara Corcoran and Damon John and Robert Hergavec, they admire those people because they solve problems, because they make goods and services. They create baby formula and vaccines and medicine and pacemakers, and they make our cars safer so that we can travel and not get hurt as much, and on and on these things go. And so there are some Christians who admire that. They They may Tend to want to put a little damper on that competitive nature and the braggart part of it. But here's the truth and here's the issue. Every Christian I speak to says we want to see poverty reduced. We don't want to see people who can't afford food, who can't afford medicine, and we don't want to see limited choices. We want, if someone's allergic to this type of medicine, we want a different type of medicine to be available. If someone can't digest that type of food, we want a different type of food to be available. So we want an abundance of things, and we don't want people to suffer in poverty. And Christians that I know work hard at doing that, and we all do it in different ways. Sometimes it's very short-term. Myself, my wife, our church, we donate. We work with a food bank every week. We're handing out food in our community. That's a very short-term. Tonight, you can eat. There are longer-term things that, again, our church does, and my wife and I do. Tutoring young people in school, helping to train people for better jobs, helping people to budget and invest their money is a longer term. And all of those things are great. And the Christians I know, they're all involved in those things because they want to see people's lives improved. They want to see poverty reduced. Here's the problem. I can make a very small dent on the poverty in America or any other country by handing out food at a food bank. Are teaching a few folks in my church to better budget and invest and save their money, and by teaching a few kids how to read so they don't fall behind in school. When a country turns to capitalism, all of a sudden, millions of people are lifted out of poverty. The latest example of this is China. China was a communist country under Mao Zedong, and everything was public ownership. Then a new chairman came along, Deng Xiaoping, and he said, I'm going to put in, and pretty aggressively, put in some capitalist elements in the Chinese economy. And literally 300 plus million souls were lifted out of poverty by the small amount of capitalism that was allowed to exist on mainland China. And when a Christian sees that, they say, I'm willing to work hard and give my money and sacrifice my time to help bring people out of poverty. But the truth is, if where they're at would implement greater capitalist ideas, more people would be brought out of poverty even faster. I'm clearly not saying there aren't problems with capitalism. There are. In fact, if there aren't regulations, if businesses are allowed to collude with one another, if businesses are allowed to merge with no regulations with one another, the businesses will ultimately stifle competition and then raise the prices and reduce the quality of goods, etc. I'm not saying that there are no problems with business people, and I'm not saying there are no problems with capitalism. There are. But all forms of economic systems have drawbacks. The question is always the net benefit. Capitalism, empirically the data shows, clearly provides us with the most benefit. If we don't like capitalism because we're afraid it's going to make us selfish and greedy, we don't need to have that concern. The Bible says that problem is already in your heart. If you don't like capitalism because you're afraid it's going to create inequality, that's not the case. The inequality was much greater in China when it was a purely communist country than it is now. The inequality was greater and many more people were in poverty then. And if you say, I just don't like that aggressive, competitive, build up your wealth kind of a mentality, I understand that. Individually, we can speak to entrepreneurs about you need to be a good business person, but also a good citizen. You need to be a good business person, but also a good Christian. But ultimately, there will always be bad players and bad actors in government, in politics, and in in the economy, in the business world. What we have to do is say, I don't want to hate my enemy more than I love the people who would benefit from the increase of goods and services and the wages and job opportunities that come with them. Now, the real question, of course, is not should Christians support a capitalist society, because I believe on the whole, on the average, the balance is yes. Let's support capitalism because of the good that it can bring to others, even if I don't benefit from it personally myself. I think the real question is, how should I live? How should I I behave in a capitalist, very materialistic society. So I'm going to make that the focus of my next podcast, because I believe then we're going to get closer to some of the biblical principles that folks are thinking about that would keep them from supporting capitalism overall, support capitalism, but learn how as a Christian, you should engage in a capitalist and materialist society and maybe provide some sort of pragmatic rules for living as a Bible-based Christian in a capitalist and very materialistic driven society. But until that podcast, thanks for listening. This is Andy.